This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson is from Romans, the fifth chapter. Since we are justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast on our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we, were still, we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, and we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The Gospel according to John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, 
and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. 
Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. I figure if you can stand all the way through that gospel, you're probably strong enough to fight off any virus that might come your way. At the start of Lent, we heard the injunction, remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. And it seems since then that events have conspired to indeed make us consider our own mortality. We have had ample opportunity to meditate on just what that means. And again at the start of Lent, we received the injunction to wait and watch and to examine ourselves. And again, it seems as if we may have more time to do that than we were counting on. We are left to reflect on the fact that for all of our vaunted intellect and technological savvy, we can still be laid low by the smallest and simplest of life forms, a virus. One of the hardest things to do is nothing. And one of the hardest things to say is nothing. We are a social people. We are talking all the time. And we lionize those who are doers, who sacrifice themselves on the altar of productivity. We are used to hitting the ground running, being accountable, filling out forms, filling out reports, to being those ones who just simply get out and do it. But now all of a sudden it seems that we are home and stuck with the most difficult house guest of all, ourselves. Granted, most of us aren't just going to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Many of us, most of us, don't have that option. But our routines have been disrupted. Our normal habits have been upset. And when that happens, we find ourselves suddenly noticing those things that perhaps we didn't notice before. Deprived of the ordinary, we become more aware of the extraordinary. Ironically, denied of the company of others, we find ourselves thinking of others more often. And denied close proximity, we find ourselves reaching out to those around us. In a wonderful bit of video that has been making the rounds of social media, those who have self-distanced themselves into their apartments in Italy 
reach out by singing to each other. Their impulse and their desire to be community unrepressible. Today, Jesus meets a woman at the well, practicing social distancing. Much has been made of the fact that she comes to the well by herself. Most of it mean-spirited and, frankly, prurient. First of all, the story does not say that she was the only one at the well. It just simply mentions that there was a Samaritan woman at the well. Secondly, the woman's response to Jesus nowhere suggests embarrassment or shame, but rather pride in her own people and resentment over how they had been treated by Jesus' people. But that's fodder for a whole different sermon. Because in the end, this conversation ultimately comes down to, an, to, a, to the issues of identity and propriety It comes down to identity in community. After sparring a bit with Jesus, as so often happens with meaningful and in-depth conversations, it's in the last moments that you finally say what you are really feeling. And what this woman finally says to Jesus is, We have always worshipped here on Mount Gerizim, whereas you tell us we have to worship in Jerusalem. To which Jesus replies that the hour is coming and indeed is here when we will worship neither there nor here, but in spirit and truth. The question of where to worship has suddenly become highly relevant for us as we have to consider how it is that we are going to worship in the weeks to come. There has been much conversation on how we can preserve community without proximity. But the word itself reminds us that community has little to do with nearness, but rather everything to do with our commonness. Community is about people, not space. For this reason, this sanctuary will seem lifeless indeed in the weeks to come because it's people, it's life, it's community will have left the building. And indeed, that is as it should be. This space should echo with emptiness when we are not here. A constant reminder that this building is not what makes us community, but rather the people who fill it. A community dispersed is still a community. It's a fact and a promise that we rely on every week when we say, go in peace, serve the Lord, and we send you away, trusting 
that the community will not dissolve, but simply disperse into the world around us, there to become more truly and authentically who we are, the community of Christ. Because although Christ found his disciples in the upper room after the resurrection, he did not allow them to remain there. And although the Spirit came like a mighty wind to that upper room and to those disciples gathered there, it then sneezed them out into the world like a contagion. Though the Spirit came to them as they were gathered together, it remained with them as they dispersed. Their true work their true identity as a missionary people lay outside the walls. With the exception of Peter and John, someone had to remain behind and take care of the home folks. All the rest of the apostles got busy and got moving. They went out into the wider world to announce the good news. A mobile community intent on creating a greater community. COVID-19, like the Holy Spirit, has driven us out of our upper room now to go out into the wider world. Now it's up to us to be the community of Christ from our apartments, our homes, our offices, our kitchens, our cars, Denied the opportunity to pray together, we will strive instead to be the answer to others, the prayers that they offer. Denied the opportunity to share the Eucharistic feast together, let us lean into the work of providing the food and drink that others need. Denied the opportunity to sing and give thanks together, we can, like the Apostle Paul, sing and give thanks wherever the winds of the Spirit have blown us. It is the common in community that points to our true nature. We are most ourselves when we are engaged in the common work, the common care, and the common mercies of everyday life. When we call on a neighbor to make sure that they are doing all right. When we leave a larger tip for an hourly worker knowing that their job may be uncertain. When we keep our eyes open for the needs of others around us. When we share one of those 13 rolls of toilet paper that we have accumulated with someone in desperate need. It's very heartening that in the balance, I have heard far more positive responses to this situation than negative. Bumped out of our usual worries and routines, we notice the people and situations around us in a way that we might not have noticed before. The sense of all being in this together calls up within us the sometimes dormant spirits of compassion, empathy, and generosity. The recognition of a common fate evokes in us a more profound sense of common unity. And this is what will see us through. 
and not just see us through, but bring us through in such a way that we come back together again like those 70 disciples that Jesus sent out into the world. We will come back singing and rejoicing, proclaiming that in Jesus' name, even the viruses are subject to us. And perhaps we will find that, well, not perhaps, we will find that those baptismal waters that gather us together here in physical proximity will have followed us out into the wilderness as it did the people of Israel. It will have followed us out and it will follow us back. And we will find that living water again flowing here knowing that has been flowing through us in our exile as well as in our homecoming. Amen.